Welcome back to Adorn Podcast. We are on episode, I don't even know. 52. 52. (laughs) We're on episode 52, and we're going to be jumping into the story of Joseph. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Adorned Podcast. We're your hosts, Erin and Casey. We would love for you to come join us each week as we discuss what it means to be made beautiful by God's Word. Whether you are a college student walking to class, a mom folding laundry during nap time, or a boss babe sitting in rush hour traffic, we hope that we can encourage and inspire you to pursue a deeper understanding of the Bible. So I hear that you had a dream about Genesis. <laughs> Why don't you share this with us? You have not shared it with me yet, so we're all hearing this for the first time. Okay, so this is how you know you're so immersed in your study time is that you start to dream about things. But so it was Abby had brought me this like little child's Bible in in my dream. This is not real, but in my dream she brought me this Bible and I was like, "Oh," and she's like, "I want to read about um, Rachel and Leah, because you know, you were just telling me about how Cadence yeah, was uh-huh. talking about that, and and I opened it up, and it's supposed to be like real realistic pictures of like what they actually look like. But um, which one's the ugly one, Leah? Yeah. Okay, Leah <laughs> was. Um, what's the pig's name in uh, the pig? <laughs> the pig's name in the not Looney Tunes, the Muppets. Oh, Miss Piggy? Miss Piggy. She was <laughs> Miss Piggy in the Bible. Oh and I was gosh. like, oh, that's interesting. Because <laughs> I was like, that's, she's like, mom, look what she looked like a pig. And I was like, well, that's not really, I don't think that's really accurate. She's like, it's the Bible. It's true. And I was like, I don't know what to do with this. It was just strange. But anyways, that's that's how you know you're really immersed yes. in your study time. Oh, man. Over the last three months, I've had some interesting dreams, too. <laughs> Especially, like, when we were studying, like, Abraham with the covenant uh-huh. and the smoking pot. And, oh, man. Yeah. Too much smoking so pot. Much, too much smoking We are in Austin, after all. Okay, so dreams, that's a perfect place to start for this episode, right? Yeah, actually, that's that's (laughs) a good point. So we're about to jump into the last big story of Genesis, which is crazy. It's crazy. Can't believe it. But it covers over 13 chapters. So don't think we're at the end quite yet. We still have 13 chapters to cover. But I thought this was really interesting. It says that one of the reasons that the story of Joseph is so long as this is 13 chapters is because it's connecting us from Genesis to where we pick up in Exodus. So mm-hmm. it's 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 a long story so that there's this connection, right? And we've talked about this a million times on the podcast that the Bible is one story. It's not like we end Genesis and then we're starting a new story in Exodus. We're connecting. Okay, here's how we left Genesis, and this is where we're picking up. Why why is there need to be an Exodus? How did we get here? Mm -hmm. Exodus really doesn't make sense without understanding Genesis, which none of the Bible really makes sense without understanding Genesis, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about more later. Yeah. I think that another good thing to think about as we talk about Joseph today is this is a very familiar story Mm -hmm. to most of us. And so... As we talk about it, try to think about it in a in a new light. Like yeah. try to think about it in light of everything we've studied so far in Genesis because I feel like a lot of times when we've heard the story of Joseph or at least me in my life, whenever I've heard the story, it's been kind of standalone. Mm-hmm. I'm not thinking of it having just come out of studying everything leading up right, to this story. Good. So I think it's um, it'll be beneficial to think of it kind of in a whole new way. Don't don't just don't think you already know everything there is to know about it, but just really see it with new eyes. Right, just because you've <laughs> seen the Technicolor dream coat. <laughs> yeah. So so far, just to kind of give us a recap, we've seen kind of seven main 
stories or seven main characters throughout this book. If you could say that we've seen Adam, Abel, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and now we're going to go into Joseph and not, not to give kind of a spoiler here, but we'll see that Joseph isn't actually the main point of the story. Surprise, surprise. Surprise, (laughs) surprise. Um, And to remind us um, what, what is significant about the story? Well, there's a lot and we'll talk about that more as we go. But one thing to remember before we jump into this story is that when we studied in Genesis 15, when God was making a covenant with Abraham, he told them that part of that covenant promise was that they would be sojourners for 400 years. And now we're going to see that how they get to actually fulfill that um, through through this passage. We see how they actually will become sojourners. And if you remember, he said it will be within the fourth generation. And if we track it down, that's exactly where we are with Joseph. That's so cool. I love it when things connect like that. Yep. Um, And I thought this was funny. You know, we we quote Piper a lot, and we just think he's a great theologian. And and he says that this is one of the greatest stories in the Bible and that it's one of the greatest stories to actually learn about Jesus. And Mm -hmm. and we'll break that down a little bit more. I was listening to some Sproul sermons on Joseph's life, and he said the same thing. He Mm -hmm. said there are so many. He said we need to be careful not to parallel Joseph with Jesus too much because you can go a little bit overboard. But you really do see a lot of parallels between Joseph's life and Jesus's Mm -hmm. life. And you look at the patriarchs that we've studied so far and even um, some yet to come, you know, when you think about like David and um, the patriarchs in the future. And when you look at Joseph's life, Joseph actually, um, it's kind of hard to find a lot of fault in him. Right. Whereas a lot of the patriarchs have like these big flaws, Mm. these big sins that they fall into. And Joseph, I mean, of course, he he was a sinner and he wasn't perfect by any means, but he actually... um, didn't fall into a lot of the same things that a lot of the other patriarchs Mm. did. So it's really that I thought that was a cool point. Yeah. All right. So let's set the scene. We're picking up in chapter 37 and this, um, at this time, Joseph was a 17 year old boy. So we have to remember like he's still a kid at this time. And a lot of his older brothers are like full grown men. Right. Right. So he's, he's, you know, youngest at this time. um, And he's taking care of the sheep with his brothers and, and they all knew that he was, his dad's favorite. Um, and, and that comes to play when then his dad makes him, some people say robe of many colors. Some people it's translated as more just like a long robe. Some people, uh, some people translate it as a technicolor dream coat. Yeah. I, f- I really should have listened to the songs because I really wanted to sing with the songs, but I didn't listen. I had I had more important studying to yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, but because of this, because of um, the fact that he was the favorite, uh, his brothers hated him. They resented him. And um, it's just funny because this is what we see. I mean, Jacob should know better, right? Yes. Like he went he through, went through the same thing. thing. Yeah. 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 And I'm sure, I mean, you would think that he would know what it felt like because Esau, his brother, was his daddy's favorite. And um, that was another thing that Sproul brought up in the sermons that I was listening to was just the the tension and the sin that um, can be caused when you choose favorites between ooh, your children. Um, we've seen that several times already. And that that sound like when he said it, I was like, what favorites? Like you don't choose favorites. And but he was talking about his children and he was like, you know, we we're sinners and sometimes we do things that we shouldn't do. And mm. that even means sometimes we can play favorites with our kids. Mm. And so we need to be really careful that we don't do that because can cause a lot of problems as we've seen yeah wow so then joseph starts to um have these dreams and the first was that they were binding sheaves in the field and his stood upright while his brothers bowed down to to his 
Sheev. Is that how you say that? Sheev? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, and the, then he told his brothers this. And um, some people, you know, translate that as he was like trying to rub in their face, like you're going to bow down to me. But some people also translate it as the fact that he's a 17 year old boy. And he was like, I don't know what to do with this yeah. and could have been looking for advice. Mm-hmm. We don't really know. Um, in the end, I guess it doesn't matter that much, but I just, I keep that in mind. Cause in my head, it's always been like, look at me, yours are bowing down to me. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if we look at the rest of Joseph's life, we don't see that that's his character. That's not his character. Yeah. I would agree with that. And I also think that he, he felt, um, and this is something I heard somewhere else, but he felt almost like obligated to kind of tell like his family oh, like because dreams, right. Dreams mm. were such a big deal mm. that he was like, and in that culture, it was normal to just be honest, like with your family and with your dad. So him telling them yeah. this wasn't an unusual thing. Like yeah. it might be weird if I go tell my mom, mom, like guess what dream I had. Right. But in us, these yeah. days, like that, that wouldn't have been an unusual thing. Yeah. But still, it made them mad because they don't want to bow down to their little brother. That goes against everything culturally that they know. And um, and then he has another dream. Joseph has another dream that was the sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to him. And then he this, you know, made his father even upset, made Jacob even upset because that would mean, you know, in that dream, his mother and father would be bowing down to him as well. And and Jacob says or the Bible, in Genesis it says, but when he told it to his father and his brothers, his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you shall have dreamed? Shall I and your mother and your brothers indeed come to bow ourselves to the ground before you? Um, that was thir- verse, chapter 37, verse 10. So we see that um, this was not something that they were expecting. They didn't know what to do with it. And it seems like it actually even makes Jacob mad, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It seems like mm-hmm. an angry. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it, it's interesting because once again, we see that Jacob is rebuking Joseph for suggesting that the older mm. might bow down to the younger, but that's exactly <laughs> what happened yeah. when he stole Esau's birthrights. Yeah. So that's, yeah, once again, the irony of it all is just crazy. And it, and I think that's a good point that you're, you're bringing up is, that this is a different time culturally with dreams. Like if we were to have a dream now and it was like the people bowing down that we can't just take that and be like, God's telling me that you're going to bow down to me. Um, Personally, I hate dreams. It's just a random fact about me. Like I hate them. I don't, I don't understand them. Like if you have a bad dream, which I have chronic nightmares. So Mm -hmm. if you have a bad dream, like, you wake up and you're miserable. If you have a good dream, you wake up and you wish you that dream was real. So you wake up and you're still miserable. It's a lose lose situation. <laughs> yeah. I hate it. Mm-hmm. But but we see that um, throughout Genesis, even before the story of Joseph, that God God has used dreams. I mean, we saw mm-hmm. it with Abimelech, Jacob, um, and and after this, we'll even see God continue to use dreams through Gideon's men, through Solomon, um, just. And even Joseph, Jesus's earthly dad, we see it. So um, just keep in mind that, you know, just doesn't mean that your dreams are always don't take this and then analyze every single dream you have. Yeah. You know, we love John Christ. He did a little skit on this the other day on Instagram. It was funny because I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm studying Joseph right now. But He was talking about he was like, imagine if we had to go and have all of our dreams analyzed. He said, I can (laughs) just see myself talking to my pastor and saying, what does it mean? The donkey from Shrek was riding on a moped (laughs) with me. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is hilarious. And it was perfect timing. Oh, (laughs) I want to go watch it was we funny. should link that because that sounds really <laughs> it was funny. funny. So uh, moving on. So Jacob, or Israel, realized that Joseph was not t- taking care of the flocks with his brothers. So he sent them to find them. He was like, hey, dude, what are you doing? Why are you not helping your brothers? Go find them. 
<laughs> so yeah, so God sent um God sent a man to tell Joseph where his brothers are. And my notes in my ESV Bible says that God's divine hand is seen through the man who directed Joseph to hardship on the one hand and to the saving of many lives in the other. So I think this is really interesting because we we have to kind of remind ourselves of God's sovereignty and that God is in control and that even though you might be able to twist this and make it seem like God was sending Joseph into mm-hmm. that situation where he was going to be um, sent and sold into slavery, um, the fact that God put that man there to direct him to his brothers ultimately is the way that God brought all of the people yeah. and saved the people. So mm-hmm. in one sense, if you just isolate that part of the story, it looks like you could twist that and say, why did God do that? That was not a good situation. He sent him mm-hmm. into or whatever, how you could twist that. But then you have to remember that God is outside of time and his ways are above our ways. And we have the benefit in this situation to see the whole story right. and to see that through that is how God brought um, Joseph to a position where he was able to save all of these people from famine and save God's people and have, so anyways, just, it's really hard tension kind of oh, to it is. Yeah. of that God mm-hmm. is in control, but God also does not sin and does not do evil. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind and of he's good. hard tension. Yes. Yes. But hopefully that's encouraging. If you're in a position or in a season right now where it doesn't feel like God is good, mm-hmm. reminding ourselves like we don't see the whole story. Like just if we were to stop at that point, I don't know, you know, as Joseph's in the pit, would he really be like, Oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be yeah. great. You know, no, he's, he's in the pit. I wouldn't. Like, so anyways, hopefully that's just an, an encouraging word. Um, yeah. yeah. And, and I was listening to, um, this, oh, was it a sermon? Yeah. And from on the gospel coalition website. And he was saying like, if we don't want to accept the fact that God was in control and, in, in having that man send Joseph to his brothers, even though it was ultimately not good for him at first, but then right. good for everybody in the end, then what we're saying is that the alternative is that, well, then God's not in control. Yeah. If God didn't ca- ha- have control over that situation, do we really want a God that's not in control? So it's just, again, it's this hard tension of what does that look like yeah, for, for God to be in control, but also be good, always mm. good. It's good. So then as he approached his brothers, they plotted to kill him and throw him in a pit. It's a little extreme. Yeah, just a little bit. I'm like, <laughs> wow, they really didn't like that coat. <laughs> or maybe they so, really did like it. <laughs> yeah, they really, that jealousy. Um, so then Reuben intervened and said, actually, let's not kill him. Let's just throw him in a pit alive mm. instead. Mm. So, yeah, and I heard something about that. They said that he might have been, Reuben might have been trying to, like get back on his dad's good side and and do something where he was like, Oh yeah, they wanted to kill him, but I told him not to or whatever. And, and we don't know. It could have just been Ruben having a little mercy or it could have been him trying to earn favor again. But, um, it says, uh, in verse 22 in intending to rescue him from their hands and return him to his father. And somebody I thought brought up this good point that this is kind of a, a pointing to the gospel, right? Like that we are, we're being rescued from oh, our own yeah. hands and we're being returned to our father. I, I thought that was a good point. Yeah. I like that. So they throw him in and then they're like, let's go eat some lunch. Like yeah. zero remorse. Yes. Like nothing. Like, yeah. Okay. No I big know. Deal. If you think about like when you're guilty, when you feel guilty about something, like I can't eat anything. Right. Like, so this just shows their depravity and that they just don't even care. I like, know. let's go eat a big meal. <laughs> what? 
Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then uh, it goes on. And I just, I just got caught on this part where it talked about aromatic gum. Like they're so fancy. I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why I mentioned that. But anyway, so they do that. They decide not to kill him. They throw him in the pit. And, and then Judah these sees these um, Midianite traders, which I actually heard they're also called Ishmaelites, mm-hmm. which we understand that they're somehow possibly from the line related, of Ishmael. Right? Yeah. So anyways, I thought that was kind of interesting. But um, they sell their brother for 20 shekels and the traders take him into Egypt. And this was so good. There's this really, really great Piper sermon that we're going to link to. And I'll quote multiple times because it was just it's so good. But he was talking about how. At this time, his brothers were trying to destroy the dreams. They're trying to say, oh, yeah, you dream that we're going to bow down to you. Now we're just going to get rid of you. Mm-hmm. So your dreams mm-hmm. aren't going to come true. They thought they had control over what was going to happen. They thought they had control over the dreams. But in actuality, what they're doing is they're just enacting to fulfill them. Mm-hmm. Because what's going to happen is Joseph, we'll see, is going to rise and they're going to actually come and make that dream spoiler. come true. Spoiler, <laughs> spoiler, sorry. But it just reminds us that God is sovereign over he sin. Is. And this is a theme that we keep seeing is that, um, you, you know, he got his faithful, how do we say it? Despite of our sin. Mm-hmm. So God, God uses us despite of our sin and that, sin and that you can't stop God's plan. And he made this really good point that, um, God, this is going to be a quote now, so I, I hopefully could say it correctly. God, he does this all the time. He takes the sins of the destroyers. So the brothers in this instant, he takes the sins of the destroyers and yet makes them the means of their salvation. Like that, okay, that's really tricky. That takes some breaking down. But mm-hmm. what, what what he's saying here is these these sins that they're committing of trying to get rid of their brother is actually ultimately what's going to save them. And because, not just them, right. but a whole nation. Yes. Just Which is very hard for our brains to understand. It is. It is. But anyways, I thought I thought that was a re- that was a good point. And just reminding us that we don't have the power to stop what God wants mm-hmm. to do. Because in that moment, that's what they're thinking. Yeah. We're going to stop we'll what just God take told care of Joseph. We'll fix it. But they can't. Right. They don't have the power to do that. And neither do we. Nope. We so. don't. Which is so comforting. Yes. Because if things were in my hands, oh my goodness, it'd be a mess. Yeah. Such a mess. <laughs> so Reuben was obviously um, not a part of the decision to sell Joseph because when he sees that he's not in the pit or that Joseph's not still there. That Joseph's yeah. not still there because he was sold. Um, he's greatly distressed and he tears his clothes. Like he was so upset. So yeah. I don't know where Reuben was. I guess he, he was still know. eating his lunch. <laughs> still eating his lunch or something. I don't know. But he missed the whole thing. So they decide to trick their father into thinking that Joseph is dead. So they smear goat's blood on the robe and show it to him. And then it works and he believes that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal. So we're con- we're continuing to see this theme of deception yeah just like jacob deceived his um his father isaac now we're seeing jacob's sons deceive him yeah and in and a almost, similar way yes right both yes. with um a slain goat right and then both with some sort of robe like mm-hmm. he wore yeah yeah so that's fascinating and poetic justice right? yes yes we've talked about that before the chapters in um, by saying meanwhile the midianites had sold him into egypt to potiphar an officer of pharaoh the captain of the guard and aaron said hashtag sovereignty <laughs> <laughs> well i mean it is right like what are the odds that he'd be sold to someone so high I know. Right? I know. It's crazy. crazy. Obviously, it's not a coincidence. Right. It's God. Sovereignty. And I think it's important for us to keep in mind, we know how the story ends. Mm -hmm. So it's easy for us to kind of continue to have this, keep your head up, Joseph. Something Mm -hmm. good is coming. But he doesn't. He didn't know that. He doesn't know that. Right now, he's sold. Yes. He's been thrown in a 
to a pit, almost killed, then mm-hmm. sold into slavery. He doesn't see the end of the story, but as we see, he'll continue to just trust God. And Spurgeon says um, his heart was sustained by a deep confidence in the God of his father, Jacob, for Jehovah was with him. Mm-hmm. And this will be a theme we continue to see that, that God, God is with him. him. God is with him. And just that, I loved that phrase, a deep confidence, mm-hmm. because I think we can trust But to have a confidence to me seems a little different. Like Mm -hmm. trust, I feel like is like, okay, whatever happens, happens. I trust you. Confidence is like, God, I know you're for me and I know you're with me. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. I just liked that deep confidence. I thought that was a good way. So that ends 37 and then picking up in chapter 38. And I'm just going to throw it out there that I don't like this chapter. Aaron just wanted to skip over this (laughs) I put that in our notes. I was like, can we just... (laughs) Can we just skip this? And I, mean. I was like, uh, actually, no. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once again, sensitive subject. So little ears might not need to hear yes. some of some of this next chapter. Yes. Um, so it's interesting because it starts off. The subtitle is the faithfulness of God to Joseph during his rise to power. And then there's that's like not what we're nothing about. about Joseph in this <laughs> in this whole chapter. Yeah. So we switch back to um, an update on Judah. So he moved away from his family and closer to sin. And then we see the same repeated sin pattern of saw, desired, took, which we've um, talked about all the way back to, to Eve. And he takes a Canaanite wife, just like Esau. Um, and this is just a reminder for us that this is what happens when we take our eyes off Jesus. Um, we put it on something else. We see it. We desire it. We take it. And we fall into that that same that same dang depravity mm-hmm. sin pattern dang we have depravity. there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Judah gets married and um, he has three sons and his first son's name was Ur and Ur married Tamar. And the Bible says that Ur was wicked in the sight of the Lord. And so the Lord put him to death. Boom. Boom. (laughs) So then Judah tells his second son to take Tamar, the wife of his first son, Ur, um, and have children with her. And this was customary in this day. This was actually called, um, a leveret marriage. And this is, um, what my Bible says about it. It says the first reference in scripture to the widespread ancient custom of Leverite marriage, whereby the brother of a deceased man who lacked an heir was expected to marry the widow. The offspring were considered children and heirs of the deceased. So I thought that was interesting. So um, this explains a little bit why the second brother did not actually want to have children with Tamar because those wouldn't be his Mm. heirs. Like those would not be considered his children. Those would be considered his deceased brother's children, which is so just bizarre to us. So he basically refused to have children with Tamar. And um, so he was killed as well. (laughs) And so um, Judah sees this pattern with with Tamar. And so he's like, I'm not giving my third son to you (laughs) because I don't want you to die too. So he basically tells Tamar, he's not old enough. So you just go away until he is old enough. So then when Tamar realized that Judah had no intentions of giving her another husband, she tricks Judah. Mm-hmm. She ends up, she, she um, covers herself where nobody can tell who she is. Judah thinks that she's a prostitute. Judah sleeps with her and, uh, or yeah, Judah sleeps with her. Mm-hmm. And then she takes his signet ring and um, cord and through all of that, she ends up conceiving twins. And um, Judah realizes that 
what has happened when the when um, someone basically accuses Tamar a, of being immoral and Tamar's like, well, whoever's signet ring and cord this is, this is my baby's daddy. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, no. This is like a soap opera. It is, I know. So you said in like last episode yeah. or the one before, like soap opera worthy. This is soap opera worthy. <laughs> like we thought that was, this really is. Because he had no idea what had mm-hmm. happened. And then she's like, well, whoever's this is, this is my baby daddy. And he's like, oh, no, this is yeah. not good. Yeah. And um, so she ends up having twins and it's interesting once again because they tie a scarlet thread around the baby that was going to be born first and the baby that was going to be born second ends up pushing the first baby out of the way and coming out first which is just crazy to think about I mean Aaron's had twins and it's like (laughs) that's just crazy to think about but we see once again this second child trying to get ahead of the first Uh and then um that that child Perez is his name he actually ends up being in the line of Jesus Mm -hmm. so we see through this whole story we see that Judah and Tamar and Perez they're in the line of yeah if you look at Matthew 1 I think is the genealogy Uh where where we see that and this is like I said, a weird chapter and but it's important for us to remind ourselves that we're not we're not looking at this to kind of find our place in this story. We're looking at it, you know, to see something Gosh, I about hope not. I hope not. <laughs> I mean I had twins, but not under the same circumstances. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> um, but to re- to remember that, you know, we we've seen throughout Genesis this tension of God's justice and God's mercy. In this story, we're seeing, you know, God leaning into that justice yeah. where we look at it and we see, wow, that's kind of severe that he was with in the sight of the Lord, so the Lord Bam. put him to death. But we don't understand. We're not there. We don't see actually what wickedness was there. And, right. and we have to remember that God is ultimately righteous and perfect and holy and good. And so if it was wise in his eyes to do that, then we're, all we're doing here is we're seeing an example of his justice. So to keep that in mind, um, like to not take this as prescriptive but just descriptive mm-hmm. um and in this this whole chapter we need to just really be looking at okay what can we learn about god um as we as we see this and we see that you know god is just but he's also gracious like casey was saying that these these are the names that we see in the genealogy of jesus and let's talk about that for a second because at the beginning of the episode we we talked about how joseph isn't actually the point right. and if if we think about the whole story of joseph okay there's 13 chapters on this mm-hmm. and so we think okay jesus must come from Joseph. And this is something I did not know. Mm -hmm. Like I learned this for the first time studying through this. And this is why we don't skip hard passages like chapter 38, because what we learned from this chapter is that Jesus comes through the line of Judah, not the line of Joseph. Mm -hmm. And even though there's 13 chapters on him, he's ultimately not the point of this passage. And that that's harsh, but that's encouraging, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's just, I never knew that. Yeah, it's crazy to think about. And the fact that Tamar's name is listed mm-hmm. even, I mean, she pretended to be a prostitute. She yeah. slept with her father-in-law yep. and she's still listed in yeah. the genealogy genealogy of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, like you said, just evidence of God's grace. And I think, like you said, at the beginning of the chapter, we see a lot of that justice. But then towards the end, I think that's God's mercy. Yeah. Um, so we see that contrast. Yeah. So then we jump into chapter 29 and here we're going to see a big difference of you know, 39. Just, 
what did I say? I think you said 29. Okay. <laughs> um, we see all of this sexual sin that takes place in chapter 38. And then in 39, we're, we're going to see just such a glimmer of hope in Joseph and um, kind of the opposite when it mm-hmm. comes to sexual sin and how, how he has integrity. And um, so so picking back up to Joseph, thank you very much. Done with that. <laughs> and with you chapter. Um And we see in verse two, I'm actually just going to read it because like we talked about before, we see this theme again of God was with him, which we saw with um, Jacob when he met him there at Bethel and how God promised to be with him. And in verse two of, um, I'll just start with verse one, actually, of 39. It says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And then verse two says, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man and was in the house of his Egyptian master. So we see that re- reminder that the, the Lord was with Joseph. And we'll see that over and over again as we read these these couple chapters. But it's I think it's really awesome to re- to ground ourselves in that because we're not going to see that Joseph's life is easy, but we're going to see that God is with him. And we mentioned this a couple weeks ago that, you know, as crazy as it seems, like we would rather have crazy lives, God with us, than a perfectly smooth life and not be relying on God. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Um, So this this theme will take us all the way through to the end of Genesis that God is with us. Um, And we see then going on in verse three that his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made him successful. And this could be interpreted different ways. Like it could just be him like, hey, you got good stuff going. I want to I want to get that good stuff, Mm -hmm. which is a really good point to talk about. Actually, we don't even have this in our notes, but I think a lot of times we fall into that trap. Like we, we, we like the gifts more than we like the giver. Oh yeah. So we find ourselves, what, what can I do to get those gifts that God can give me versus ultimately what can I do to be with God? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's just a little good, a little good checkpoint on our, on a reflection point of, you know, are we more enamored with the gifts or are we more enamored with, with God? Mm-hmm. And um, we don't know. We don't know if the master truly or if uh, Potiphar truly wanted to know about God or if he just was like, hey, God has favor on you. Mm-hmm. Give me some of that. Yeah. But anyways, um, so Spurgeon says about this passage, he says, Joseph's diligence, integrity, and gentleness Oh, all that are Christians would imitate Joseph in this. And so behave ourselves that all may see that the Lord is with us. So he's, he's drawing from this passage that, you know, he, when people looked at Joseph, they knew, oh man, God is with you. Mm -hmm. And do people recognize that in us? And I think I like how Spurgeon pulls out the word gentleness because Mm. I feel like I'm not always super gentle. Oh, me neither. I struggle with that a lot. And um, when we are gentle like that, then people can see God in us, yeah. like you said. And so I think that's a, that's a good point because gentleness is not one of my Me either. It's points. so hard. It's tough. It's tough. Yeah. So then we see that the, the Lord blessed, um, the Egyptian's house because of Joseph. And this is something Casey brought up, um, a while back that this is, this is a foreshadowing of that substitutionary atonement, which those are very big words. But what that, what we're saying is that this is, this is pointing to Christ and how Christ is the one who ultimately pays the price for our sins. It's not us. It's not our works. It's not something that we do to earn favor with God. It's Jesus dying on the cross that covers us and forgives us for our sin. And so we see here that, that the Lord was blessing um this household because of joseph Mm -hmm. and he became an overseer of potiphar who was an officer of pharaoh's house so Mm -hmm. he was like way high up there yeah which i just think is crazy cool yeah especially from where he came from Mm -hmm. right and then we see this um 
temptation that Joseph faces, um, Potiphar's wife tries to sleep or get Joseph to sleep with her. And, um, he says no. So good job, Joey. (laughs) Um, but we, you know, this is again in contrast to chapter 38 where we see the sexual sin. And, and I think it's easy for us to just go, Oh, he did the right thing. But actually like that was risking a lot for him and we'll see that he's going to have to pay for it. But he had integrity and this integrity is one of my like soapboxes because I think it's such, um, a lack in today's culture, but I love to look at this story and see like, no, Joseph had integrity when it cost him everything. Mm -hmm. And that hopefully is encouraging to us. Um, He was really in a no win situation No, because I mean, he was making her mad by not listening, but then if he had done what she wanted him to do, he would have been in trouble, but he still got in trouble because he made her mad. I mean, it's yeah. just this. No win. Yeah, it's just no win. Yeah. But yet he was able to look inside, like you could look inside his heart and see that integrity. Like right. the decisions he made were the right ones. Right, right. And in verse nine, um, I love how he responds. He says, how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? And so he's recognizing here, you know, he didn't say, how could I sin against Potiphar? Right. Or how could I, you know, do this against you or anything like that? He's saying against God. Mm-hmm. So he's recognizing that all that he has and where he is and everything about him is is a gift from God. And once again, he could be um, just super like, um, oh, gosh, I can't even think of the word mad and kind of resent, uh-huh. resent the fact that he's away from his family. And but he's not like he's realizing what he has is a gift and mm-hmm. that that is where God wants him yeah. to be. That's good. I hadn't really thought about yeah. that, but. You know, I mean, I think I would be, um, I would sulk a little bit yeah. about the fact that I'm not with my mom and my dad yeah. anymore. And in a I foreign mean, country. I guess his mom died, but you know, yeah. Yeah, his yeah, dad yeah. anymore in a foreign country with people you don't know, mm-hmm. like all of these things, but he really, he's still praising the Lord. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Praise the Lord from wherever you're at. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, so she gets mad and we see her do this again and she gets mad. And so then she lies to her husband and you know, she gets a little piece of his coat as he runs away and she shows her husband and says, you know, look what happens. And, um, again, from my Spurgeon Bible that I have, it says that, but God was with Joseph and he did not slide when set in slippery places, but he fled. That flight was the truest display of courage. It is the only way of victory in the sins of the flesh. So I I love that Mm, because yeah, Yeah. he says, you know, like he didn't stay there. He didn't make it, you know, sometimes we get comfortable in our sin or we get comfortable really close to sin. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's like, no, the way is to flee. And in second Timothy and in first Peter, they both say flee youthful passions when talking about sexual sin and different things. And it's reminding us that, you know, we have to actively be running away from sin Mm. we can't just think we can be in the presence of it like we need to flee it and run to run to jesus so i thought that was that was a good point to to not think we can be around it and not be you know affected by Mm -hmm. it yeah that's good so potiphar was furious and ended up throwing joseph in prison and so at first at first glance, it's easy to think that Potiphar believed his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was actually, I was reading some different places that said that the punishment actually indicates that although Potiphar was mad, he might have actually seen his wife's deception because he could have put Joseph to death. Oh. Like, because the sin was so great, sleeping with his yeah. wife, like, 
that is, he could have just killed Joseph right then and there. Interesting. But I he never heard didn't. this. He just put him in prison. Wow. And actually where he was in prison even was a fairly mild area of the of the prison. And so I thought that was really interesting. That was yeah. from the Bible notes. So, yeah. That's interesting. I mean, that makes sense. I've never mm-hmm. thought about it like that, but that makes sense because he wouldn't want them to be together. Right. Because right. she would continue to try yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, well, let me just get rid of him. Well, and he had to do something to kind of make it seem yeah. like he believed her at least a little. Wow, that's really yeah, interesting. Yeah, I thought that was neat. And I think we can learn from this that like, even though Joseph did the right thing, like it doesn't mean everything's going to go smoothly. Because I feel like oh, a lot of times... Yeah. Um, just like personally, I'm like, no, but I did the right thing. Like everything should work out now. Or yeah. I did the right thing. Now, like God owes me some sort of favor. Why am I still being punished? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. But we can, we'll see multiple times in this story that um, that just because you have integrity or just because you do the right thing doesn't mean that everything's going to go well. But ultimately, um, it's for God's glory and it is for our good because it's the fact that he was in jail that he was able to then interpret more dreams which we'll talk about soon and that that's where he you know begins to get to a place where his dream actually will be fulfilled so um, in verse 21 um, talks about how the Lord again was with Joseph we're seeing this remember anytime we see repeated phrases it should perk our ears up and remind us that it's significance and um, talks about he how he extended kindness to him. And even in the dirty, gloomy dungeon prison cell, like God was still, still with him. And sometimes I think it's hard for us to remember that even in our like darkness and in our sin, like God is still with us. Not that he was sinning here, but anytime we're in a place where we feel like God is distant, that doesn't mean he is like God is still with us. Even if we feel like we're being punished, like God is, is still with us. And I just think that's super encouraging. I liked you had a, um, Spurgeon quote that I thought was was a good one. It says, "The Lord does not promise us that what we have uh, that we will have what looks like prosperity, but we will have what is real prosperity in the best sense." Mm-hmm. I thought that was really really good. Yeah, because um, it's reminding us that not everything's going to feel prosperous, right? But because and it's God not is with us, the worldly sense, right? Of prosperity. Speaking of little a little extra bonus Plug. that I'm going to throw out there. Um, there is a documentary out right now called the American gospel it's and really everybody good. needs to watch it. It's so, really good. You have um, to rent it. Yeah. You can rent it on, I think Amazon, Amazon. or like iTunes or wherever you yeah. rent your movies these days, not blockbuster. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's super, super it good. Is really good. So just a little plug for that. Um, but the chapter ends with restating once again that the Lord was with him and made everything that he did successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I liked that. And um, one of the things, too, that, that we see in this chapter is that wherever God has you, serve him faithfully, just like Joseph did in jail, and um, just to trust in God's sovereignty. Mm-hmm. And this is something that's really, really been on my mind and heart lately is that um, – I think a lot of times we feel like there's something like on the horizon, like the Lord, like you can tell that the Lord's like preparing your heart for Mm. something more, something bigger, something different. Um, And so sometimes it's hard to sit in that place where you don't Mm. know what that is. And Jonathan had a friend tell him a few weeks ago, he was like um, just talking through some things with him. And this friend said, you need to focus. He said, it's wonderful to dream and it's wonderful to think about what, what God has for you and, and, and to feel like, um, God's really stirring in your life and really leading you towards something. But at the same time, don't lose sight of what's right in mm-hmm. front of you mm-hmm. in the ministry that you have right in front of you. Yeah, that's good. And so 
I think, you know, we can look at Joseph and see the same thing. I mean, he was in this dirty, nasty jail and didn't know when he was going to be able to get out, but he didn't lose sight of what was right in front of him. And we'll see that um, very vividly in the next chapter. That's really encouraging because I think sometimes, you know, as either stay at home moms or if you're in college or you're at work, whatever it is, we, we sometimes tend to compartmentalize things Mm -hmm. like this is my work time. This is my church time. This is my family time. But like what you're saying is like to continue to serve God wherever you're at. Mm -hmm. If you're swamped and covered in diapers and Cheerios, like you are serving God as you serve your family. Or if you're, you know, at work, you're, you're serving God and you're on a mission field Mm -hmm. for him. And so wherever you are, find ways to serve him. That's really good. Mm -hmm. That's really encouraging. All right. Chapter 40. We are plowing through this. All right. Chapter 40. So we see that, um, then there's this cup bearer and baker that, um, are work for the the Pharaoh, is that what you say? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are put in jail with Joseph, and Joseph is their personal attendant. It says I don't exactly know what that means. I don't either. It must be some hierarchy of I guess so yeah. prison. Then I don't know, but they both had you a mean dream. You don't know how the prison system <laughs> works, Aaron. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I wish I. No, I don't wish I did actually. <laughs> but um, they both have a dream, and they want someone to interpret it. And so Joseph interprets their dreams. Um, and during those days, this was like another, a lot of times done through divination. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah. I mean, just the notes in my Bible said that um, it was one of the genres of divination. So so we talked about divination a little bit, a little while back when we were talking about like Laban. So it's similar to like mysticism or mm-hmm. like not godly stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's what they were looking for. They wanted someone to interpret their g- dreams through this divination. But Joseph rebukes that and says, no, like interpretation of dreams, that belongs to God. And so he's saying, good job. Jerry. Yeah, exactly. Once again, <laughs> way to go. Joseph. Good job. <laughs> so Joseph does, he interprets their dreams in the cupbearer's dream um, ended up being a good one. He grew three branches of grapes and made grape juice and, I just thought that was funny. Like, <laughs> I don't know. And Joseph um, interprets the dream saying that in three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and you'll get your job back, basically, is what he's saying. And then um, and he, you know, Joseph says, when everything goes well for you, remember, remember me, remember yeah. me. OK. Um, and then he interprets the baker's dream, which was, again, about the number three, three baskets of baked goods. But the birds were eating the ones that were for Pharaoh. So Joseph, um, I thought this was kind of funny play on words. He says again in verse 19, in three days, Pharaoh will lift um, up your head. But he says he will lift it off of off you. Of you. <laughs> like he's going to lift your head off. So um, I don't, that's and not hang funny. hang you on a tree. <laughs> It's the the wordplay is kind of funny, but it's not actually funny. Oh, man. So he had this one dream, you know, where he interpreted it in a positive way. And so, you know, if you just read that one, you might think, oh, well, he was just trying to earn favor with them. But then he still spoke truth when it was really hard to do. Like, oh. he probably didn't want to interpret that dream for him. Like, hey, dude, in three days, your head's going to be taken off your body. I wonder if he was thinking, maybe... I have it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I love that because it's really encouraging to us to, to remember, like to speak truth, even when it's hard, even when it's hard, like what you might be in a situation where, you know, you're at work and people don't want to hear about Jesus or whatever. And like, we're still called to, you know, speak truth Mm -hmm. and not be ashamed of the gospel. Um, And so I thought I really liked that. And, and then we see that exactly what Joseph said comes true. Um, but then the cupbearer does not remember Joseph. He forgets him. He forgets him. So that's like, I'm like, how do you forget that? I know. I know. So moving on to chapter 41, we fast forward two years later. 
Yep. Um, and so this is about 13-ish years from when Joseph was sold um, by it's his brothers. That's a long time to be like in jail time. and sold and slavery. He's and 30 years old now, God. which is about Aaron's age. That is, well, yeah, I'll be 30 soon. <laughs> um, and so it's just crazy to think about everything that, that he's crazy. gone through and that all the responsibility he's about to have as a 30-year-old. Yeah. Because um, 30 still young. We're still young, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> So uh, Proverbs 21 one says the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. So God gave him these dreams because it was time for Joseph to come out of jail and to be raised to his position. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So these dreams um, we're talking about um, Potiphar, not Potiphar, Pharaoh. They, why do they both have to start with P? I know it confused <laughs> me too. So Pharaoh, um, God gives Pharaoh these dreams. And I thought, I thought that was really interesting because th- it says in, in Proverbs, like Casey said, that the king's heart, is in the hands of God and he turns it and he, wherever he will. So we see that, you know, what, what happens here is again, under God's sovereignty, under God's control. And there's some notes, there's this, um, no, these notes on Genesis and it says the most trivial and most important, the most likely and most unlikely circumstances are made to minister to the development of God's purposes. He is above all and can use all for the accomplishment of his grand and unsearchable designs. And I thought that was really helpful because I think sometimes we'll read a passage and it'll seem like really big, like we'll really see God in control or God's sovereignty. But what, what he's saying here is like even the most trivial things God can use for his purposes. And to me, that's, that's really encouraging because I think, oh, there's so many things in my life that are super trivial. Like, what are we going to eat for dinner tonight? Where are we going to go to the grocery store tomorrow? What are we going to do? And, and not saying that God like uses all of those things for grand things, but just the fact that he can, can. and if he wants Mm -hmm. to, you know, it makes it kind of fun. Like, oh, maybe God's going to use this. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was encouraging. That's cool. So Pharaoh has this dream and he sees seven healthy cows and seven sickly cows and the sickly ones ate the healthy ones. Then he has another dream where there's seven heads of grain, plump and good. And then there's seven heads of grain that are scorched and thin and the seven thin swallow up the seven plump. So two dreams. Um, and so he seeks a magician because like we said, that's kind of mm-hmm. just what they did to um, figure out the dreams. And, um, Nobody could figure it out. Nobody could figure it out. And then guess what happens? The cupbearer, finally, two (laughs) years later, finally, he remembers Joseph. Good job. (laughs) Good job. I love how when when they actually seek out Joseph in verse 16, Joseph says, it's not me. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not the one who does this. It's God. Mm -hmm. And again, we see him saying hard things in hard times because like you're saying, they think it's like this divination or this magic or whatever. And Joseph's like, no. It's not. It's God. And like, he just very first thing makes sure yeah. to say that. Like from the from the get go, he's right. like, "This is not me. This is not magic. This yeah. is God." And that could have been. Um, that could have stopped him from going any yeah. further. Like, mm-hmm. po- uh, I almost call him Potiphar again. Pharaoh could have been like, "No, I don't believe in your right. God. I'm yeah. not going to listen to what you say." But yeah. he, but Joseph still says it. He's still like, mm-hmm. "It's God." And let me show you what he it did means. The hard thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Joseph tells Pharaoh uh, that they're. Both about the same thing. He mm-hmm. says, you know, God's showing you the same thing. And he's telling, it's God telling Pharaoh what he's about to do. Um, 
which is pretty cool because the point isn't Pharaoh. The point is um, that this is the means that God used to bring Joseph mm-hmm. out of the pit. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's really cool. So he says that it's going to mean seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine. And the fact that he dreamed this twice means that it is for sure going yeah. to happen. Yeah. And it's going to happen soon. Yeah. And then um, starting verse 33, we see that Joseph begins to give him advice about what to do. So not only is he interpreting the dream, he's like, hey, here's, you know, kind of what you should do about it, Um, which I thought was really interesting. That probably was like really nerve wracking for him to try to tell like the ruler of the land. But what he says is he says, select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt and appoint overseers over the land and save one fifth of the food. Is it one fifth? I'm pretty sure. I think so, okay. yeah. Of the food and save it to have during the famine. Seems like a pretty duh idea, mm-hmm. but apparently yeah. it was like, wow, <laughs> this is a great idea. I know. I've always thought that. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So I we see that. Looking back, we know it's yeah, too better. True, true. <laughs> so Farah liked that idea. And in verse 38, he says, can we find a man like this whom is in the spirit of God? And then Farah's like, Oh, yeah, oh, wait, right you're right in front, in front of, of me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he recognized that Joseph is empowered by a divine presence, which probably means, like, according to Pharaoh's own belief, yeah. like, he didn't fully recognize, like, who it was God. the one true yeah. God. But as Moses is writing this, the, the Israelites who are reading it or hearing it understand that it was God mm-hmm. that's with Joseph because yeah. we've read that a bunch of times. Um, and, and we see in the Old Testament, there's the various occasions where um, God empowers people for a special service by, by giving them his spirit. And we see, you know, that's what God's doing here through, through Joseph. And then, it, um, yeah, Pharaoh's like, oh, yeah, Joseph. So he puts Joseph, um, and it says, over my house and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only in regards to the throne will I be greater than you. And he gives him ring and fancy clothes. So he's putting Joseph in this crazy position. Yeah. Like, it probably would have made a lot of people jealous. And that's that. what I'm thinking. This Hebrew boy. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that came like straight from the prison all the way to the top. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Rags to riches. Yes. So in my in the notes in my Bible, it says that Joseph was, was faithful with a little. And mm. so he was put in charge of much, which mm. I feel like that's a verse we hear a lot. But it's from um, Luke 16, verse 10. And it says, one who is faithful with very little is also faithful in much. And so I, I don't know. I liked how he he drew that out yeah. of that. Yeah. Um, and then we see that Pharaoh gave him a different name and a wife. And then he has a son, which he names, um, is it Manasseh? I think that's right. There's and two different ones. Yeah. Well, anyway, the name means God has made me forget all my hardship. And then the second one's name meant that God has made me fruitful in the land of affliction. So, again, we're seeing the importance of names here. Yeah. So I liked what my Bible said about the names um, because it brings up some things that we've talked about a lot while studying Genesis. It says, as the names of his sons indicate, Joseph has been ever mindful of God's hand upon him. The first commemorates God's preservation through great hardships, and the second memorializes the divine favor with echoes from the Abrahamic blessing. So we talked over and over mm-hmm. about how God told Abraham he was going to, you know, be fruitful and yeah. have all of these um 
these children, basically. Yeah. And we see that in what he named his yeah, son. And so good. I like that. I like yeah. how that pulled that out. And then also, once again, um, we just see the parallels to Jesus like we talked about earlier. And just another little note. It says, um, the temporal salvation from starvation of the known world depends on one descendant mm. of the patriarchs. Mm. So once again, just kind of that foreshadowing of Jesus yeah. of how our salvation depends on this one mm. man, That's Jesus. That's good. That's good. So chapter 41 ends with the famine um, striking everywhere, but Egypt was prepared and um, people were all coming to Joseph then to buy food from yeah. him. So as we kind of stop here at the end of 41 for this week's episode, what's something that, you know, kind of stuck out to you from what we've been studying so far? Yeah. So as I was listening to those Sproul sermons that I was talking about, one of the very first things that he talked about was that Joseph's job was not um, a ministerial position. Mm. Like he had a very secular job. He was working for someone that was not a believer in the one true God. He, um, there was nothing about what he was doing day in and day out that we would consider like a ministry position, Mm. but God used him in incredible ways to minister and to, to, um, save this whole nation of people. And so I think so many times it's easy for us to, um, be discouraged, especially if we don't have, um, if we're not quote unquote in the ministry of some sort, if we don't work at a church, if we don't work for a specific ministry, like Aaron was saying earlier, if we're at home changing diapers, if we're a teacher, if we're, I mean, at, at the gym, all these different places, it's easy to think, well, it's a secular job and it's not as important as the pastors at the church or mm-hmm. the worship leader or whatever. Um, but I think when we think about what it really means to be a Christ follower, like that means to to share the gospel everywhere we Mm, are and to do his work everywhere, just like we were talking about earlier with what's right in front of us. And it also, I've just been thinking a lot lately about what it means to be the church, like everywhere that we are, the church is not a building, but the church is the body of believers. And we are to take that everywhere we are, secular job, ministerial job, ministerial (laughs) job no matter where we are like we are to um share jesus with everybody and that's what joseph was doing he wasn't sharing jesus yet but he was he was living out um his calling that god has placed on his life and he was being bold and he was doing the hard thing like we talked about um no matter where he was whether he was at the top of pharaoh's um his not temple his uh House? House. Uh, what's it <laughs> called? Like, palace. Okay. Whether he was at the top of Pharaoh's palace or whether he was down in jail, mm-hmm. he was he was um, living out God's calling yeah. and, and sharing God with people. And so, yeah, I just so I liked funny. that. It's funny that you say that because that's kind of something that the Lord's been putting on my heart recently is, um, and, you know, I'm seeing it through the story of Joseph is, how important it is for us to be the same person no matter where we are. Like I've been noticing it it really is a pet peeve of mine when people are different around certain different 
groups of people. And we can see from Joseph and, and from Jesus, ultimately, like how important it is for us to be the same in the church building as it is out of the church building. That's that how, integrity that yes, you were talking about. Yes, it comes about back to that yes. integrity and, and how, you know, the reason Joseph was the same person no matter where he was is because he knew his identity was in God. Mm-hmm. And he knew that God was ultimately the one who was in control. And if we rest ourselves in those two things, there's no need for us to act different around different people. No. There's no need for us to try to gain favor or right. find our identity in anything else because we're rooted. And so we are then free to be the church no matter mm-hmm. where we are. Um, so that's that's a really good point. I really like that. So we're going to end with a quote um, from the Jesus Storybook Bible. It's just from this passage about Joseph. And it's the last little paragraph of the story, and I just love it. It says, but God would use everything that happened to this young prince, even the bad things, to do something good, to ultimately forgive the sins of the whole world. If you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. And most importantly, share with a friend. The beautiful music that you've heard on this episode today is by the incredibly talented Katie Cobb.